Well, good morning again, Marvin Church. My name is Doug Baker, again, lead pastor here. Again, Mark Donaldson and I have switched venues today as we start a new sermon series called Margin and uh, creating space to breathe and to relate and to give. And so we're grateful for uh, your being here today as we uh, start this series and as we kind of begin to reflect on our lives and how much space do we leave uh, for God to do good work in our, in our lives. So again, to those online that are joining us, we welcome you. We're glad that you're participating in this service of worship as well. Friends, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, margin is very important. Uh, let's just talk about writing for a minute. Let's just talk about uh, Word documents and uh, the idea of having margin on the, on the top or on the bottom or on the sides especially, or he's sometimes setting off in margins, special quotes. Margins, that white space on a page, and if you're looking at this document here on the screen, it's in Spanish, so if you're trying to make it out, unless you're fluent in Spanish, you won't understand it. But again, just this idea of, if I saw that on a page, I'm gonna feel what? Kind of overwhelmed, I'm gonna feel kind of like, uh, I'm just looking at Cindy over here, she's good with white space, making things look pretty as our graphic designer on staff, but you know, things need to draw our attention, pull us in, and white space is actually our friend when it comes to, to writing. Seeing something like that would kind of overwhelm me, turn me off. So if it's that way for writing or creating documents, what about our lives? I mean, don't we need a margin in our lives as well? Don't we need that, that column on the left or the column on the right of just space to breathe, to reflect? You know, some things I like about margin in books is that I can write notes to myself. I can put other references or highlighting things, and it's good to have that space. But if our lives are so full, so full of activities, so full of to-do lists, so full of things to do for kids, things that we have, ambitions, trips, whatever it is, our work, of course, all those things filling our lives so much that it just totally fills up the page. There's no room to breathe. There's no room for anything that might be of God that where we can grow or learn or reflect or, or even change. So that's why I feel that margins are important. And today we're gonna talk about Sabbath. We're going to talk about this idea of stopping, right, ceasing, and resting, and then also delighting in what we've accomplished, delighting in the blessings and the things of God, and most importantly, worshiping. That's the margin space that sometimes gets edged out in the culture of America because we are so busy doing so many things. We don't take time to sit back and, and to rest, which our bodies desperately need as part of the created order. We don't take time to enjoy the blessings of God and the things that we've created and worked so hard for. And, and we just don't take time to worship sometimes, friends. And these things are also very important to our emotional health, but also to our souls our spiritual health. So that's what we're gonna talk about today, this idea of Sabbath, and the idea of a day of Sabbath rest. So I know that right now I'm stepping into an area that maybe made some of you uncomfortable, and I would just be honest with you, I'm uncomfortable with a day of Sabbath rest. You know, I only work on Sundays, right? Right, okay, yes, you good. I'm glad you're laughing at that. And so, but I mean, I've heard that before. But uh, I, I have to work on Sundays, but I also love to worship on Sundays. Being on, in church is one of my favorite things to do. But let me just say this also. I have weddings on Saturdays. I have funerals on Saturdays. I have wedding rehearsals on Friday nights and rehearsal dinners. And sometimes for me in ministry, it's hard to find a full day to really rest. So I want to share with you, I'll tell about it, it's kind of at the end of the, uh, the sermon, but what my day was like yesterday, I've got to carve out, create, 
escaped. So I'm just right there with you. So if you're saying, there's no way, Pastor Doug, that's of the Old Testament. I don't believe in that anymore. I don't think Jesus expects us to do Sabbath. Well, let me just tell you, I'm trying to grow and stretch my soul because I've been tired. I've been worn out. And I need to recover the Sabbath and the understanding of it in my life. So many Christians... I don't know if you're one of these individuals. They say, well, you know, the law, that's, that was for the Old Testament. Jesus came. He fulfilled the law because he fulfilled the law. Those things that are in the Old Testament don't really relate. Those commandments don't really apply to us anymore. And so, you know, I don't think the Sabbath is something that God's going to be legalistic and say, I need. Well, the, gift, the thing is, God's not up here trying to just create rules to make you feel guilty or to make you, uh, 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 you know, unhappy or to make you feel shameful. God is given us his word in the Old and the New Testament to help us find the gift of rest and pleasure and leisure and reflection and worship. So that's kind of where we're heading today. So again, I don't do this well, but I want to invite you to join me in the struggle to fight for a Sabbath day in your life. And I'm working on it. Uh, Some days I'll have to take a half day, but you know, I'm going to continue to work on this, but I invite you to pray with me as we begin our sermon. Lord, in these moments, as we've introduced this topic of margin rest and Sabbath rest, I just pray that you'll speak through me and speak through, most importantly, your word. uh, So we will uh, hear and understand. Come Holy Spirit, do a good work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 2. I mean, these are the creation stories, and we're going to see that in the creation story, uh, God creates a day of rest. And so it's part of the, if you will, the rhythm of life. It's kind of this godly rhythm of six days of hard work, intense work, and then a seventh day of rest and taking the moment to take pleasure in what has been created, and also for us in the church, a day of worship. So as we go to Genesis here, chapter 2, we're going to see that this is at the very beginning of the created order and rhythm of God. Uh, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, friends, we are going to start there, and uh, we are going to uh, uh, make reference to a passage in the book of Exodus and also in the book of Deuteronomy. If you've seen the Sabbath card, though those passages are cited, guess what? Those are the Ten Commandments, okay? And uh, so out of Exodus, out of Egypt, they're given the Ten Commandments, and then also we find that the Deuteronomy Code, or actually the Constitution of the Israel people, you'll find the Ten Commandments restated. They're a little bit different. They both give rationale for the Sabbath, but step back for a moment. God creates, shows us the rhythm of creation. God rests on the seventh day. And then we go into the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, and we find the explanation of why the Sabbath is to be remembered. And then by the time we get to the Constitution of Israel, it is not only to be remembered, it is to be observed. It is commanded of God. And you'll see the rationale for that at the very end of my message as well. So friends, that's where we're heading. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Now, John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, creates kind of a liturgy. And I'm just going to quickly kind of move through some of the 
the things that say, well, you know, that's taboo, that's old school, that's not for me. So he says, uh, some people give excuses for not observing Sabbath. I'm not really into Sabbath. I'm more of an extrovert. I do a lot of things. I like to stay busy. If I had to stop for a day, it would drive me crazy, right? What's the answer to that? God rested, okay? Oh, I get the Sabbath thing. I know it's important, but I have a very demanding job. You don't know how demanding my job is, and I got to stay ahead of my other workers that I'm in charge of. And besides, you know, uh, uh, I love my job, and I just don't have time for Sabbath. What would we say to that? God rested. You might say, a young mom may say, I have two little kids at home, and, and it's not really doable right now. Maybe if there's another season in my life, then maybe I will take seriously the Sabbath. And again, God's response may be to us, God rested. And I would say my schedule, you know, I'm going to be this next weekend. I'll be at Truett Seminary at Baylor University celebrating our new endowment there and with some others and, and celebrating the great work of the Wesley House. So I've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday commitments at Waco that are kind of church related. And then uh, I got two weddings in October. So, I mean, I'm just saying that God rested. So I have to figure it out. I've got to not just say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I've got to figure out how to make this help, how to make this help and work in my life. So if God rests, and we just want to, I want to remind you quickly, Genesis 1 and 2, creation stories, Genesis 3, what happened? The wheels fall off, right? Adam and Eve immediately disobey the one command that God gives them, right? And so if we're going to talk about the whole rescue mission of the Bible. Why does God uh, uh, call the people out of Egypt and slavery? Why does he bring them to a promised land? Why do the prophets remind them to get back to the laws that are given as they are given as they come out of the slavery? Why does Jesus Christ come, right, to, to set us free, right? And then why is the Holy Spirit given to always be with us and to remind us? But what is the whole purpose of following God? It's to be more like God, is it not? Would you agree with that? We talked about sanctification is to be like God. So right out of the chute, the rescue effort is to become more like God. So if God has a system of uh, a rhythm of working six days and stopping on the seventh, admiring what has been done and resting and then, and then uh, enjoying the worship of his creation, enjoying the worship of his people, then friends, I think that we need to pay attention to this rhythm and get some rest. And let me say, I know how hard it is because there's always another project there's always another opportunity, another challenge. It's never ending, is it? I mean, just going around the house, we had that hard rain last Sunday night. Great, what a blessing. Well, it created a hole in my yard. So I guess I did my yard work on Friday, and then I realized, oh, I got to go get some dirt at Lowe's to fill the hole in my yard. I don't want to step into it while I'm mowing and hurt my ankle, right? So there's always a countless, endless number of jobs and then I even got into the cell phone, right? I think if you're going to observe Sabbath, you may have to put your phone in the other room, all right? Because there's going to be another text message that's urgent that needs your reply. There's going to be another email from work that says we need something on Monday morning. There's, it's countless, endless. In fact, uh, what I think that's called by Carl Rayner, Catholic theologian, in his book, Servants of the Lord, he writes, in the torment of the insufficiency of everything... We learn that ultimately, this world, there is no finished symphony. It never stops. There will always be something else to do. 
We live with chronic restlessness unless we find our rest in God. Do you, you need to hear me say that again. You are going to be chronically restless, especially if you have a personality that likes to get things finished, unless you find your rest in God. What I've done is I've simply restated St. Augustine's most famous line, you have made us for yourself, God, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Peter Scazzaro, <clears throat> in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, states that life on this side of heaven is an unfinished symphony. We know where he got that line. We finish one goal, and then we immediately are confronted with new opportunities and new challenges. Ultimately, we will die with unfinished projects and goals, but that is okay. God is ultimately in charge of the universe. Not you, right? And even while we sleep or rest, God is at work. And I can give testimony to this. As hard as we work to get my mom prepared for her own departure from this earth with all her stuff, there was unfinished business, right? Anybody who's done estate stuff and probate and done the stuff for your parents, you know, there's unfinished business. It never gets done. So friends, rest in the Lord. Take the gift of the one once a week sabbatical rest to pause and just refuel and restore your lives. Memo from work martyrs, long hours make you less productive. Studies have shown that once you work a certain number of hours a week, your productivity begins to drop off. Amazing thing is, guess how many hours they've documented as being where we begin to drop off. Thank you, brother. While you're thinking, I'm going to drink. 50. At 50 hours, your productivity begins to drop off. So they did this study, people who work 70 hours, people who work 50 hours, not a lot of difference in their productivity. Imagine that. What is six times eight? Come on, students. 48. Six eight-hour working days. That includes the chores, the, the laundry, the dry cleaners, all the grocery store, all the things you've got to do in those other days. Six days of work right? Plus two, get to 50, but then we need to rest and renew ourselves. Stop and rest are the words that come from the word Shabbat, which is where the word Sabbath comes from. Stop, cease, and rest. They're all tied to that Hebrew word. Scripture states not only do we just stop and to rest, but God also blesses a day, a day of rest, Okay, he blesses a certain day. God blesses the seventh day and makes it holy. So what does that mean when God blesses a day? And I think I didn't really understand this until John Mark Comer explained it in his book. And I just want to share with you, there's three blessings in the creation stories. First of all, God blesses the animals and says, go forth and multiply, all right? Create more animals, all right? That's the blessing God gives to create more animals. Then he turns to humans and he says, Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply so you can you know, procreate, so make some more people, right? And we've done that. But then there's a third blessing. Right, at the, right after he makes human beings, he blesses a day. Now, John Mark Comer says, let's look insightful into this. The blessing of God 
is not so much for you to be comfortable. It's not so much for you to sit back and say, God has blessed me so much. I'm so happy. I've got so many blessings in my life. The blessing of your life is for the purpose to expand life. When you are blessed by God, your life is full, right? So if God blesses a day, it's intended to give you life. So let me ask you, do you have a day, one out of seven days, that you pause and you worship and you rest and you reflect so that you can celebrate and be filled up with life? And there's a key word that we're looking for here, and that is delight. God blesses a day and he delights in it. Because on that seventh day, that's exactly what God did. He delighted in this Sabbath day that he created. Ryan Buxton, what Seventh-day Adventists get right that lengthens their life expectancy. He cites that doctor's research shows that not only are these believers uh, the happiest people that he knows, right? But they live 10 years longer than the average American. Do you know any Seventh-day Adventists? Anybody know any Seventh-day Adventists out here today? We had two people in the congregation. They validated this. And they said they're happy people. I don't know about their life expectancy. But imagine this. Seventh-day Adventists are seriously legalistic about what? Observing the Sabbath on Saturday. Because they take a day to stop, to cease, to rest, to worship, to take pleasure in all the blessings of God... They're living longer. So maybe when we stop and rest, we actually are blessed. People have said the fact that Chick-fil-A takes Sundays off may be why their business flourishes the other six days because they're not having to be like the world and be like everyone else. I don't know if that's true or not, but hey, it's uh, Chick-fil-A, God's sandwich, right? The Sabbath card, the Sabbath card that the, that's been published by the church says, stop and rest and delight. Because in Genesis 1, 31, the amazing thing that happened is after God creates, creates human beings, tells them to poke, procreate, go forth and multiply. And you find this pattern of the creation. He creates, right? He speaks. It comes into being and he says, this is good, right? This is good. And then, after he makes and finishes creation with human beings, he says, this is, cats, get ready, very good. This is very good. I like to imagine the fact that on God, on that Sabbath day, sat back and said, wow, man, this is really good. This is amazing. And the reason I think about that is I just, I, I, uh, I told you I've been struggling with Sabbath. Gina's out of town, gave me some margin to experiment. So I got my sermon done about 12 o'clock Friday night, uh, excuse me, Thursday night. So Friday night, so that Saturday could be a work-free day, all right? I practiced Sabbath yesterday. And what I did is I got up in the morning and I went out to my, uh, uh, my backyard, which I had mowed the day I had to prepare. I mowed it on Friday. I cleaned out the fountain on Friday. So on Saturday morning, there's my backyard right there. I know it's a little unfair because this is back in May before we went through the really, really hard, hot summer. But I was not going to take a picture and send it to Joe yesterday because I've been violating my Sabbath rest, okay, for the slideshow. So I took an old picture on Friday night, sent it to him. All this is to say is that I'm Saturday morning, yesterday morning, I sat on my patio 
and enjoyed the coolness while it was still cool out there, listened to the flowing water, right, of that fountain, enjoyed the birds chirping. I wrote in my journal. I studied the Bible. I was out there for about an hour. And so, friends, let me just say that I made it a point to take delight in the work that had happened the day before because, friends, so many times we, we have other people do our yards, we do all these jobs, but we don't take time to enjoy. So this got me thinking, God stepping back and enjoying things that are good, and what would God sit back and say on Sabbath day is good? And I started doing some research on Friday night, and this is what I found. The planet Earth is spinning at 1,000 miles per hour. 1,000 miles per hour we're spinning around while speeding through space at 66,000 miles of revolution, 66,000 miles an hour. And we're not flying off of the planet. I think that's amazing, right? And I could just see God going, hey, this is really good because they got seasons, they got days, it's oriented, they got the sun, they got the, you know, the spring seasons. I mean, he's thinking what he's created is amazing. Then I started thinking about my water pump that is pushing all this water into this little water fountain that you see in my backyard. And I thought about, what about God's water fountain? And then I started thinking about, okay, what does that maybe look like? Well, I researched the most uh, amazing, tallest, uninterrupted, God-made waterfall and came up with Angel Falls in Venezuela. This is it. Angel Falls, Venezuela. Friends, there we have 2,648 feet of waterfall at 3,750 gallons a second going off the edge, uninterrupted. God did that. So I'm amazed by my little fountain. I like the sound of roaring water, right, that I can create in my backyard. And this is something that God did. And that is just amazing. And then I started thinking about, I was out there for about an hour and I'd read that you take on average about 23,000 breaths a day. So I was outside, it took about 1,000 breaths. I made those trees work to take all the carbon dioxide and and turn it into oxygen, right? The sustainable planet that we're on. Look at all the people in the room. And we're in here for an hour. We're singing our lungs out, right? And yet we have plenty of oxygen. God is amazingly great. That is what I think about. We have got to take time to enjoy, to reflect, whether it's called benevolent detachment, restoring the soul. Those are all words of John Eldridge. Drinking in beauty, Part of what you got to do on your Sabbath is not only to stop and to rest, but to delight in God's beauty. So I've been talking to Gene on the phone. I said I was on a, I was what I call my joy circuit or my joy tour yesterday. Since it was this day of Sabbath rest, right? What did I do? Now after I, after I had my time uh, in the backyard, I went and walked the Rose Rudman Trail, enjoyed God's creation for an hour. Then after I went from there, I went and took a shower. Then I went and I went out for breakfast and had pancakes and eggs and sausage. And it just tasted so good because I was enjoying and that's something I had been desiring. And then I went through and then I went and saw some friends that were been dear friends for me that I wanted to see. And then after that, I went and saw my favorite golden retriever in the city of Tyler. So Maple's her name. It's Mike and, Cannon, Mike and Karen Cannon's golden retriever. And ours died two years ago. So it's, I kind of just stopped by every now and then sitting in a little golden retriever fix. But I took pleasure in seeing somebody's uh, golden retriever. Friends, that was kind of my day. That that's kind of how I spent it. But most importantly, today kind of uh, caps it off with worship. 
Exodus 20:18, excuse me, 28, fourth commandment, tenth, ten commandments of God. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, holy set apart for the God, for our God. Resurrection day in the church. It goes back to the rhythms because there in Exodus, if you'll read Exodus and the Ten Commandments there, it'll talk about because God rested, that's why we should rest. And then when you get to Deuteronomy, there's a language shift. We hear the words, observe the Sabbath, keep it holy as the Lord has commanded you. Now it's not just remember to rest, it's a command given to us. But listen to the rationale here. Right behind that comes, you were a slave in Egypt. This is really important. You are a slave in Egypt. Don't become slaves again. I think the slavery in America in Western culture, is productivity. I think it's getting things done, accumulating more stuff, taking care of all the extra stuff that we have. And it creates for us an enslavement, so much so that we cannot stop. And we want to, and for our kids, parents, let me just say this we want to give our kids everything, we want them to have every opportunity to be at all these extracurricular activities. And the more and more stuff we sign them up for, the more and more obligations we have. And it edges out our time to rest and our time to observe Sabbath as a family. And we get enslaved to something that does not do life for us. So, what is the rhythm of life? What is the Sabbath's purpose? to free us from that enslavement, to stop and to know that everything's gonna be okay and we can create our own boundaries in our own space. Jesus talks about the Sabbath in Mark 2, 23 through 28. He replies, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The context, the Pharisees were watching him as his Disciples walked through a field, gleaned some, some uh, grain to eat because they were hungry, but it happened to be the Sabbath day. So they were saying, why are you doing what's illegal if you're the Messiah? Jesus comes back and says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The purpose of this message, friend, is not to make you feel guilty. It's not to, to get you to join me in a struggle because it is going to be a struggle if you take the Sabbath seriously. The purpose of this message is for you to receive a gift which God has given to you. Let me just close with John Eldridge, Get Your Life Back. Great book. Read through it many times. But I want to share with you what he talks about here. He says, your soul is a vessel that God fills Yet there's no room for him to fill if your soul is wrung out, twisted, haggard, and fried. To put it another way, your hands cannot receive a gift while they are still tightly clenched. Sabbath, friends, is a day to open up our hearts and open up our lives. It's to stop. Stop being productive. Stop fixing things. Stop worrying about things. Stop making big decisions and just... Embrace God's love, and today especially as we come to the communion table, to embrace the gift of his grace and his work in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, as my brothers and sisters in Christ this day, hear this challenging message that goes all the way back through the begin to the beginning of your word as reiterated and reinforced through the Ten Commandments. Lord, why do we just write it off when you want us to find rest for our weary souls 
Lord, thank you for the gift of Sabbath. Help us to get creative and find ways to do it as a family and to pray and to worship and enjoy the blessings of friendship and meals shared and, and do the things that give us joy and pleasure rather than to, again, balance the checkbook or take care of last-minute chores to get ready for a busy work week. Lord, yes, it takes preparation. Lord, it is going to rock our world and make us change, but God, you stand ready to fill us up because we confess today we are often wrung out and tired and have very little to give. So fill us with your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.